strong and healthy way. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. Well, I reiterate what uh, both Jim and Jared said this morning. It's been quite a week. Uh, I don't think most of us would have imagined that ever happening. When it was happening, I thought, this cannot be really happening. But I remembered the phrase again, he's got the whole world in his hands. I wrote this message uh, the day after the election, and it couldn't have fallen on a more appropriate day for me to be delivering it. First of all, I want to say that Jesus did not come to change the world politically. He, uh, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's also important that we realize that the church has not only survived, but has flourished under all kinds of governments. I think we fail to realize how fortunate we are that we've had pretty stable governments over the years. And uh, so this first point that I'm going to make is probably the most important. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. And that is to be the attitude of a follower of Christ is that God establishes leaders, and sometimes we don't uh, like the leaders he establishes. So as a follower of Jesus, I want to give you five points this morning about government that I think are very important. The first is that governments are established by God. I, like you, would wonder sometimes why would God establish certain leaders? Why would he remove certain leaders? But the Bible is clear. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Those words were written in the time of Nero. Nero was one of the most horrendous Roman leaders, he literally took Christians, put them on a stake, and burned them in his backyard to light up his patio. And yet those words were written during that period of time. We've been very fortunate. Uh, I was born while Roosevelt was the president of the United States. To some of you, that might seem like, golly, he really, he really is old. The first president that I remember is Truman. I don't remember much about him, except my parents didn't like him. But he stopped for a whistle stop in Klamath Falls, Oregon, when we, when we lived there. Eisenhower was the president all during my childhood, from the time I was a little, little boy until I was a sophomore in high school, he was the president. And then uh, th there was the phrase, I like Ike, and I liked, I liked Ike. Then in my sophomore year in high school, Kennedy was elected, much to the chagrin of evangelical Christians because evangelical Christians were afraid that the Pope was going to 
tell him what to do and the Pope would be running the country rather than Kennedy, which didn't turn out to be the case at all. There have been 13 presidents in my lifetime. Golly, I really am old, aren't I? <laughs> Governments are established by God. If you'd go through those 13, each was so different than another. Secondly, Christians are to submit to government. That's very, very clear. And to rebel against government is to rebel against God. Isn't that interesting? When you storm the Capitol building, you're not simply rebelling against government, you're rebelling against God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do good, but if you do wrong... Be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. In other words, submitting to the government is a matter of conscience. Now, several people have asked me lately, have you ever seen it? Have you ever seen anything like we're experiencing right now? Is it, has it ever been this bad? And even in my lifetime, it has been. In the 60s, uh, primarily initiated, initiated by the, the uh, Vietnam War, uh, college campuses were burning. The college that I went to, uh, two years before I got there, they were turning over cars in the on the streets and the park blocks and burning them. People were going to Canada to get out of the draft. Uh, some of you remember at Kent State, some students were shot. And uh, I remember when I first started college that uh, a recruiter, a military recruiter, didn't dare come on the campus because students would... Uh, not attack them physically, but they would attack them verbally. Notice Acts chapter 4. The exception to submitting to government is that government, if, is, if, it's, if a government asks us to disobey God. Notice this verse. Then they called them in again, that is Peter and John, and asked them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Those verses are recorded in a time when, you may remember in Acts chapter 3, where there was a beggar who was laying by the temple gate, and uh, he was crippled. And Peter and John walked by, and they probably walked by him who knows how many times. But on that particular day, they prayed for him, and he was healed and jumped up and started yelling and screaming and praising God. Well, as a result of that, Peter and John were arrested 
and commanded not to speak any longer about this Jesus. They were afraid that this message about Jesus was spreading so fast they had to stop it. And they said, we're going to jail you and leave you there if you don't stop preaching. So you might just ask yourself a question. Would you go to jail if someone asked you to stop talking about Jesus or to deny your faith? I think probably most of us would. Uh, usually we don't have to take that harsh of a stand. Uh, I remember numbers of times, particularly early on in the, in the days at Faith Chapel, after many years, we got a good reputation, so people stopped doing this. But early on, there were numbers of particularly young people in their late teens or early 20s who stopped going to the church that their parents went to and started going to Faith Chapel, and their parents were really upset about it. Why are you going to that church? Why have you left our church? It was primarily people who were from traditional church backgrounds, and uh, they were really concerned about their kids, but I always, my response to them at that time was, gosh, I would think you'd be happy your kids are following Jesus. You know, so many kids, so many kids aren't. The third point is that Christians are called upon to pray for their government. Paul said, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. I don't know if this was true of you in your childhood, but for me, we were brought up to be loyal to the government. It didn't matter who the president was, we were to be loyal to the government, to pray for the government. The Bible is clear that, that we're to pray that we might have peaceful lives and that, so that the gospel can spread, so that people can hear about Jesus. And uh, it has been scary at times. In the 60s, I really thought that our nation was being destroyed from the inside. I was really nervous about it. It was a, it was a scary time. Uh, I remember watching Laugh-In a few times. And when Laugh-In first came out, gosh, it was just an abomination. It was like nothing we'd ever seen before. But I still maintain that if we complain about our leaders, we should be complaining to God. You could literally say this, God, I don't like the person that you chose as president. You want to do that? <laughs> that's, that's just biblical. If you want to complain about the government, complain to God. He asks us to pray for our government authorities. Part of our submission to government is to pay taxes. Paul says this is also why we pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. 
If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So take all the legal deductions you want. You may or may not like Trump, but nobody likes him very well today. But, you know, he didn't pay many taxes, and people criticized him for that, and I agree with what he said. He said, if you don't agree with it, then change the law. I'm just I'm following the law. I get these deductions. There was a man at Faith Chapel a number of years ago who somehow defended not paying taxes. He was just open about it. Never paid taxes, never filed a tax return. He also figured out a way to steal cable from his neighbor. <laughs> I thought those things were fairly consistent myself. He uh, he's very vocal about it. You may remember me talking about a man that I was playing golf with, I think it was three years ago. He joined a friend of mine as we were playing the second nine, and, and he was bragging about filing, or excuse me, uh, getting an, an, an address that was in a different area than he lived because he would have to pay less taxes. He didn't live there, he just said that he lived there. And he was going on and on about how he did that. So I, I stopped and I looked at him and I said, now you, the way this conversation began is you said that I'm your pastor, right? He said, yep. I said, well, then I'm going to have a little pastoral discussion with you. <laughs> and I did. He was pretty, pretty quiet after that. My middle brother... First thing I said at my br my middle brother's funeral, first the words that came out of my mouth was, my, Marlon was a hooligan. <laughs> and he was. He didn't pay taxes. He got paid in cash. And he didn't put any money in the bank. If you'd ask him for some money, he'd reach in his pocket and he'd have a roll of bills about that big around in his pocket, the rubber band around him. And uh, when he died, when he passed away, uh, I was handed an envelope from the person that he was living with, and it had 36 $100 bills in it. And they said, Marlon saved this so that you wouldn't have to pay for his funeral. He always, always cash, but he didn't, never pay taxes. Didn't feel bad about it either. So what is your attitude toward government? Now review the last four years. So many of you would want me to rail on Trump today. Certainly don't think he realized the impact that his words had to a crowd that was already angry. He kind of pushed them over the edge, didn't he? Obviously, that wasn't a, a good thing to do. But there are many things that we can look on over the last four years that have changed in positive ways. I don't know if Trump is a follower of Christ or not. It doesn't seem like when you listen to him most of the time. But at least he was favorable toward the church. He defended Christianity. And... Uh, 
I think we could name lots of positive things that have happened under his leadership. But most of us would say, I don't like him personally. I don't like what he resent, represents in the way that he talks about people and the way that he acts, and I think I would, I would agree with that. I voted for, for Trump. I didn't like him when I voted for him. I just didn't like, I didn't dislike him as much as I did the other person. Uh, and uh, I'm not sorry that I voted for him. I, I think the Supreme Court and the court decisions that he's made will impact our nation for a long, long time in what I consider to be very positive ways. But as we approach a new president now, I think it's important that we not continue causing division and rancor by criticizing the old government or criticizing the new government. Grieve me a few days ago when several people uh, simply keep poking and prodding, stirring division rather than trying to bring a sense of peace. And so I, I call upon you more than you ever have, especially in this next week or two, to really pray for government leaders that they would have wisdom and that we could get through this horrible time. The day after, or the Sunday after President Trump was elected, a man, I was, at the time I was an interim pastor in Seattle, which is a very liberal place. People were mad that uh, Trump was elected and a man came into the lobby of the church that Sunday and he was literally going around screaming at people. Why did you vote for Trump? Why did you vote for Trump? So I had to have a pastoral discussion with him too. I was playing golf this summer and I, I don't know who the men were but there were two or three men standing behind me and I was sitting in the golf cart waiting to start and I heard this one guy cussing and ranting, not like an enemy, but like a friend who was upset with another friend. And he was demonizing this guy because, he, because of who he voted for. I can't believe that you'd vote for him. And he just went off in this tirade of cussing, calling the guy stupid and so forth. So I, I think, you know, Jim said it, Jared said it, I've tried to say it. This is obviously not a good season in our country, but it seems like when things get bad enough, then positive change will take place. And so that's what I'm praying for right now, and I hope that you're praying for that as well. So let's just stop a moment and, and, uh, and pray. Lord. We love you first and foremost above all things. and Lord, I think all of us are grieving. And I'm sure you're grieving in some respects as well by the hatred and the anger and the rancor that's going on, giving us disfavor with other nations even. Lord, I pray for sanity. I pray for peace. I pray, Lord, that you would use the events of this past week to turn our government, to turn our nation in a different direction where we could 
we could be peaceful and, and uh, conciliatory toward people who are different than us. Lord, we talk more about politics than anything else. Christians rant about politics more than anything else. I pray that that too could change to prayer and that we could disagree with people and do that without rancor and anger and hatred. Thank you for the government, the nation that we live in. I look back on my lifetime and the presidents that we've seen, and there's always been controversy, but never like this. So breathe a breath fresh of your spirit into our lives, Lord. Let there be a healthy turning to you and people turning to receive you. Let us be known as you said that we would be known by our love for one another, that people would be impressed that even in the midst of this time, it's amazing how we love. Thank you for this day, and I pray that the people at home and the people in this room, Lord, would begin to pray like they've never prayed.